Hi, I'm Barry Hamaguchi. And I'm Jason Margos. This is Flop Redeemer, the weekly podcast where we discuss the stories behind our favorite pop flops and why you should give these songs a second chance. Tween TV star turned pop singer Ariana Grande was riding high off the commercial success of her first two studio albums, 2013's My Everything and 2014's Yours Truly. But a minor scandal and a scrapped single in 2015 turned this girl next door into a dangerous woman. Today we're talking about her 2015 non-album single, Focus. Hey Barry. Hello. Um, we're back. We're back. Um, uh, we are on a marathon today, a marathon of recording. Um, we focus. We have focus. We're, we're trying to focus on creating quality programming. And I just completely obliterated the order of this playlist. Great. Perfect. <laughs> I'm like, I have it. Wait, hold on. I didn't change it yet. No. Anyway. Um, so we're recording a couple episodes today, just trying to get ahead of the curve a little bit. Um, I don't know if I'll be available to record next week because I'm getting the second dose of my uh, COVID vaccine next week. Oh, I've heard that it's a, a roller coaster of uh, physicality which, and emotions. And, which one did you have? Uh, I'm on Pfizer. Okay. We uh, have our second. Oh, okay. So you did have the two. We I wasn't sure if you got the two or the, if you got the Johnson Johnson one and done. No, that is the only reason I invited you over. <laughs> oh, so you were fresh off the uh we fresh were fresh off. off of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, obviously, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why you were still sitting on the other side, but you know, we were fresh. Yeah, off we're not we're not cleared by the CDC. No, we no, were wearing no. masks, but, we were six feet apart, we were outside. Yeah, but um you know what? I had taken two days off work because I, I had to take them, but also I was like worried about, you know, what it was gonna be like. And <laughs> to be quite honest, I was a little disappointed. I didn't feel that much. It was weird. The second one, I definitely felt a tingle in my arm kind of almost immediately and it okay. progressed into like you know the sore arm i don't know if you had that with the first one. Oh yeah i couldn't sleep yeah. on it for two days yeah, the yeah first yeah, time yeah. so adam didn't have that the first one i did and then i had it much lighter the second one and adam ha- had it much harder the second one so you know it is very you know subject to your individual you know whatever yeah the next day was what i was kind of gearing up for I was kind of tired, but neither of us felt bad. Um, Adam had had a slight fever and some chills overnight, went away with with Tylenol. And then the next day we were both just kind of, I mean, like we took a couple naps, you know, like, mm-hmm. but nothing really serious. It was funny towards the end of the day, like I woke up from my nap and I was getting progressively like achier. Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh, maybe did I sleep wrong? Like, but it was, no, it was just like, you know, your body's kind of achy. But it did just pass. It went away. I didn't even have a headache. And um, yeah, it was it was weird just having like all of these things like that are sort of like the onset of sickness, but like very condensed and then just kind of be done. Yeah. So it, for just, us, it wasn't bad. Okay. I was just wondering how much of it is like psychosomatic. I think mm-hmm. I'm prone a little bit. I think I'm prone a little bit to psychosomatic yeah. reactions to things. The first shot, we came back. I felt fine. I feel like I had a very busy morning and then in the afternoon I just felt very tired and I was like, I'm just going to take a nap. I think I, I think the vaccine shot and my perception about what it was going to do to me gave me permission to just be like, I want to take a nap right now. I'm going to yeah. give myself permission to stop everything and take a nap. So going into this second shot, I, I did uh, take the following Monday off of work because I was like, I, it's good. That's good. 
I just I just want to take the day off work. Honestly, I don't care if I feel bad. I just definitely well, want to take that day off. <laughs> I was joking with I was joking that like, what does it say about our culture that like I was fully looking forward to being laid out completely to consider it like an actual real vacation and to not feel guilty about like not checking my email or whatever. And, you know, it was funny because the the morning of um, was actually our company's earnings call. And so I'd gotten up even though, you know, I'd I'd woken up just to like hear it just in case I wanted to hear what was going on. And I ended up answering an email and my coworker immediately texted me and was like, get off email, like just go away for like the actual day. Good. And so I did. I was like, but I'm bored. Like I'm sitting in like it's so stupid. I was like, but I'm oh, bored. Never. I'm just I'm never be bored. But uh <sighs> but yeah, no, I mean it's it's like, yeah, give yourself permission, take the day if you can. I mean, it's even if if for nothing else, then just like take a breather and like just yeah, you know, and get va- get get vaccinated. Get if vaccinated. You're, if you're it's able really to. not it's not that big a deal. We are not um, Joe Rogan here on this podcast. Um no. no. I'm 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 comfortable I'm fully comfortable advocating for um, public health measures um, advocated by scientists. Um, Absolutely. Anyway, get vaccinated, anyway. please. Anyway, because I, um, I don't know if this has anything to do with Ariana Grande. It absolutely does not. But hearing someone talk about how vaccines work, or like not how the vaccine itself works, like what what it's doing into your body, but mm-hmm. like how the concept of um, like immunity, like for the purposes of like public health works. Yeah. When they like, talk like about like heard like how how you how you reach herd immunity and like how many people actually have to be vaccinated and for for it to be effective in yeah. the community. Yeah. And that you don't get vaccinated to protect yourself. You get vaccinated to protect the public. Yeah. That like the more people because there's a chance, there's a there's a certain chance, right, that some people will get the vaccine and it will do nothing to them. Like they will yeah. not have a response. Right. Mm -hmm. One of my friends had talked about um, a parent who got the second vaccine shot. And that's supposed to be the one where your immune response is kicking in. And their parent had no reaction to at all to the second vaccine. And they were concerned like, oh, like, you know, is my parent one of those, you know, one percent of people or whatever that this vaccine will not provoke like an immune response in. Right. And those are like the people that we're all protecting by trying to. You know, yeah. the people, the recipients that the vaccine is effective on are the ones that are protecting the people that either the vaccine is ineffective for or people who, for whatever reasons, cannot receive the vaccine, right? Uh-huh. Anyway, um, that has nothing to do with Ariana Grande. We're talking about Ariana Grande today. We've lost our focus. Focus we has flopped. We have already lost our focus. Thank you. Next. Um, next well, topic. Ariana well. Grande. Um You've talked about Ariana Grande uh-huh. several on several occasions on this show. Um, you are not a closet Ariana Grande fan, but maybe an unexpected or like an unlikely Ariana Grande fan. Well, it's funny. I think it's not, I wouldn't even say unlikely. I think there's a lot of her music that like, yeah, obviously like this would fall into my bucket. I think I, it's sort of surprising Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Because I don't seek her out or I wasn't seeking her out. Now I do, I guess, a little bit more because I, you know, I just own the fact that I actually really enjoy her music. But, you know, especially with the first few albums, like I would always be surprised um, that like I enjoyed that I enjoyed so much or that I actually listened to so much of her music. Mm-hmm. Um, like what are your go to Ariana Grande songs? So my favorite Ariana Grande song is um, Thinking About You, Thinking About You. 
It is the last song. No, is it the last song on Dangerous Woman? It like, yeah, yeah. It's the album closer for um for Dangerous Woman. It was okay. written by Peter Svensson. So like, you know, he has a hand in a lot of her big singles. And I think he's one of the writers of the song we're going to talk about today. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, was he the one that was in? He was in the Cardigans. That's right. Okay. Originally the guitarist so, for the Cardigans, now a uh, Swedish pop hit maker. Yeah. I like this song because it's very, um, one of the things about pop songs, we talked about it with, you know, we've talked about it with Katy Perry and uh, Wide Awake and, uh, you know, a lot of the big pop songs that I like, I love when you feel like sort of enveloped and, you know, the music is just kind of like swirling around you and just kind of takes you away. Mm-hmm. And that is exactly what Thinking About You does for me. It's a very, uh, I, Genius calls it like a celestial <laughs> celestial song okay yeah um, I, I feel it it's got like that pulsating beat and it, and it, so so honestly think about you is like a cool down song for me after i've been working out or like if i've gone for a run it's like it's usually i put it towards the end of my playlist because it feels very euphoric especially as it builds through the bridge and then to the final chorus um genius pointed out to me that this is ariana grande's self-pleasure anthem <laughs> I had not thought about that, that this is about, I, I, I'm thinking about you. I, you know, this, I, mean, I, this don't have, is... I don't have you here with me, but at least I have the memory. I try to make it through the mi- night, but I can't control my mind. I just thought like she just couldn't stop thinking about this person. Thinking I wasn't about like, you. Yeah, it's very sweet. I mean, that's part of like the narrative of Ariana Grande when sweetness. she does Dangerous Woman is that she is coming into a more... Um, Womanly. explicit perhaps a parental advisory here and there yeah she's trying to break she's trying to break break free from yes. her um from her sort of tween squeaky image and i remember with dangerous woman and the um the little bunny ear mask thing like mm-hmm. kind of more overtly taking it in a more like i don't want to say sexual i mean there are some sexual songs but like sexy as opposed to like princessy mm-hmm, mm-hmm. sort of direction i had right? never really thought about ariana grande through that lens until i started researching for this week's episode was that up until dangerous woman she was headed down this road of something akin to what i relate to like mariah carey mariah carey's kind of uh, notoriously cheesy album titles that are mm-hmm. a little bit saccharine or yeah. a little bit sentimental, like charm bracelet, butterfly rainbow, you know, cause Ariana Grande had started out with like yours truly and my everything. And this album, dangerous woman was originally supposed to be called moonlight, mm-hmm. you know, and they're all these very romantic ideas. I feel like um, image wise, she'd always had something kind of Audrey Hepburn ish about what she was doing with her image kind of like a a modern vintage doe-eyed chanteuse if you will yeah, yeah. Right? there's a delicate and, there was a delicateness there even though she had a voice that had a lot of power yeah there but she was often doing of, these kind of sweet songs or she yeah. was doing some of her songs even though they talked a lot about her being like 90s reference queen mm-hmm. a lot of her songs have like a doo-woppy Mm-hmm. kind of angle to them that I think is actually 
still kind of present in Dangerous yeah. Woman, but in Dangerous Woman, it takes a definite sultry turn. I'm talking mm-hmm. about the song Dangerous Woman also. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If, That's a good song. Um, so I, I, I feel like very basic and very surface Ariana Grande fan because you just you just called out like an Ariana Grande deep cut. <laughs> um, Because I, I have my tracks per al- kind of per album that I like from ariana grande and they're all singles they're all singles um from the album my everything my favorite single from that album cycle was one last time Mm -hmm. um from dangerous woman my favorite single was into you yes Um, also 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 that the subject of that meme like uh that, that that meme about like the gays when they hear the opening lines of of they can hear the opening bars of into you and everyone just runs to the dance floor because it's very kind of dude Oh, I just think of her saying, doesn't she say like tuts my body? Oh, I a little, know. a little, a little less conversation, a little more tuts my body. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Mumble, mumble queen, Ariana yeah, Grande. Queen. Not a, Ariana Grande, not articul, articulation Grande. Yeah. A stranger to enunciation. Um, my favorite song from Sweetener was Breathing. That's a good song. That just, I mean, that, that is, um, in true form, for me, when it comes to, um, I've talked about being a kind of a corpse or like a zombie, zombie like inanimate state. Mm-hmm. I need the song "Breathe In" because it's very instructional to my life. It just reminds you to like <laughs> keep breathing. Well, and I see "Breathe In" sort of "Breathe In" is probably one of my favorite songs on that album too, and it's kind of the uh, the successor, the progression of of thinking about you. Like mm-hmm. it's it's still kind of a lot of repetitive. Uh, stuff a lot of layered vocals i mean that's kind of the thing with ariana but like i I feel the way they're put together and the way they kind of push towards this climax um you know they're very similar and i i do actually like sweetener a lot you know as you go through these it's funny that you're like oh you know calling you out because you know I'm, i'm mentioning a deep cut it's it's more that like this again goes back to like it being sort of surprising that like a lot of times, like I would, I know at the beginning, I would put on an Ariana Grande album when I was working, and I've I've said this in the past, like I, her albums are very consistent from start to finish, and like are very good for me. They're like good work soundtracks, mm-hmm. and so you know they just kind of keep you moving, like you're saying, yeah. you're like with and and so you know at the end of the year, I'd look at my Spotify like most listened to artists. I'm like, what Ariana Grande really? Because I was always like uh, Diet Mariah, yeah. And do you feel though that that phenomenon of Ariana Grande, kind of ambient mumblecore queen, it, it's something that she falls into later on. Like I, I think that her earlier albums, especially looking through her earlier singles discography, mm-hmm. is the discography of a pop star trying to figure out what to do. Does that make sense? Yeah, I I think like trying to be like where do you where does where what's her lane? Like she yeah. has a big voice. Cuz when I so, call out each of those singles, I think each of those singles is maybe a second or third single from those albums. A lot of the a lot of the first singles in her discography, like her lead singles from her albums, mm-hmm. they're often like the dancey songs or the poppy songs or the 90s throwback song or like stuff like, you know, I was never into um that Iggy Azalea song that she did. Never really liked that song. Problem? Problems? Yeah, yeah, no, it wasn't either. And, you know, Bang Bang, I was never really into that song. I do like song. Bang Bang. Break Free, were you into Break Free? No, I like Into I mean, it, it really was, like, Into You, I think, was probably the beginning where I was like, wait a minute. 
Mm-hmm. Oh, also, I love the song Almost is Never Enough. And God, it hit is, me with the deep cuts. No, it's the duet with Nathan. Um, it's it's like a he, oh, oh, with Nathan a, the, Sykes. the wanted guy. Yeah, because they do over and over again was like the later one was like the follow up to that duet. Mm-hmm. But like um, Almost is Never Enough was one of those first where I was like, huh, she's got a beautiful voice. Because I think I'd kind of written her off because she was like too like teeny tiny. And she was always like, you know, like, like she has I, a like, shtick, not for definitely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I was like, no. And then I listened to that song and it made me a pay attention to Nathan Sykes again because I was like, oh. Because, like, I remember the wanted, and then they just kind of passed through, right? Mm. And I was like, this is a good song. And then I listened to more of her stuff. and and But I think Into You was probably the first big one, so. Yeah. Because, like, she did Into You, and then either the single right before that or right after that was Side to Side featuring Nicki Minaj, which I think Side to Side is actually a terrible song. <laughs> Sorry. I don't think it's terrible. I think it's fun. But it's but it is it's not the one that I go to. On the, uh, I never want to listen to that song. Never. <laughs> never. Were you aware of Ariana Grande's origins as like a Nickelodeon tween star? Like I I was, but I always I always think that it was Disney. And okay. I have to be reminded because like that's not I mean, I knew that because that was part of the story. Like I knew she came from like TV. Yeah. But I didn't know that um the show was on Nickelodeon. I again okay. I thought that it was like a Disney thing and that had to be corrected. Because I wonder, like, you know, for me, it's kind of a miraculous thing. And I don't know if this had anything to do with your initial perceptions of her necessarily, mm-hmm. was that Ariana Grande is the rare case of a tween television star turned singer that has been largely able to like, you know, let that part of her life fall away. Right. Yeah. That, you know, in a world where the trope of tween television star turned pop star was, you know, becoming kind of a, a factory farmed kind of concept, right. You were getting like, Hilary Duff, Lindsay Lohan, Raven Simone, Vanessa Hudgens, Ashley Tisdale, Jeanette McCurdy, Miranda Cosgrove, Emily Osment, like so many of, um, especially the tween girls from these television shows were, were just like being led directly into singing careers. And I think that mm-hmm. there's a lot of skepticism involved in that. Like, is this just a, uh, like a, a cash grab basically? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, the, the, not a lot of the, I don't know that there's, there's not a lot on that album that made that first album that made me go, okay, she's she's an actual artist in her own right, and this isn't just a crossover attempt. Um, I I do remember I'm looking at the track listing, so almost is never enough is one that had that kind of you know mm-hmm. caught my eye. I'm now remembering the popular song with Mika. Okay, remember Mika? Yeah. So he was a bigger star at this point, or like you know a bigger indie like sort of presence, and he had done basically. It was like it was a version of popular from the musical Wicked. And I remember Ariana showed up on the song and it was fun, but she was she was definitely like the feature, right? Like she was not the main purpose. And I remember being like, Oh, she has a good voice. Yeah. But like not really I think also I thought her name was like I was like, she's from Italy or something. Because <laughs> I didn't know who she was. <laughs> I was like, who's this European Ariana Grande? <laughs> 
<laughs> on a no, Mika no, no, album. No, no, you know no. what I mean? So I didn't know who it was. But um, I'm remembering that now. Just, well, yeah. I mean, I was thinking, kind of in contrast to what you just said, actually, was that her debut album, I feel like they were very smart to kind of focus in on her vocal abilities. Mm-hmm. If anything, I think that they were pushing for Ariana Grande over singing on that first album as compared to someone like a Hilary Duff. Like I was thinking very carefully about when Hilary Duff first started her quote unquote singing career that I mean, no, and Hilary Duff was very, 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 very successful as a singer, uh-huh. but I never, I was never convinced that Hilary Duff can sing uh-huh. ever, yeah. ever. Yeah. I mean, that wasn't, it was like, that wasn't the point. Right. Yeah. Like it was like you're you're just there for Hillary Duff. She's singing now, but you might as well be watching her TV show. But like Yeah, you have an affection for Lizzie McGuire, yeah. so you're gonna go buy Hillary Duff's album. It's like it doesn't have any more substance than that necessarily. Yeah. Whereas I think that with Ariana Grande, you know, there was a distinct break between her time on the Nickelodeon television show Victorious and then the launch of her singing career. And I think that actually, I don't think that her singing career was as closely linked to Nickelodeon as some of the people that were yeah. releasing music as part of like the Disney Channel family or even um, the Nickelodeon family of shows. So the show that Ariana Grande was originally on, on Nickelodeon, was called Victorious. And Ariana Grande's character, Cat Valentine, was not the main character of the show. This uh-huh. is kind of like um, the the tea behind Ariana Grande's ascension to stardom is that she kind of usurped this success that was slated for um, Victoria Justice. Do you know who Victoria Justice is at all? I, why do I know that name? Because Victoria Justice... She's an actress. She was yeah. the title character in Victorious. Victorious was about a girl named Tori who um, goes to a performing arts high school. Mm-hmm. Um, Ariana Grande as Cat Valentine is one of her friends at school. And Ariana Grande's character is like ditzy and cute and kind of silly. Um, definitely like the comic relief sidekick kind of character. But the show was centered around Tori played by Victoria Justice and Nickelodeon as part of this show that ran for three seasons was constantly releasing these victorious albums like show albums Uh of songs performed on the show and predominantly those were Victoria Justice songs and I think that Victoria Justice was the one being primed for uh, For a crossover career in pop music and um it's funny if you look back, because my niece, who's a teenager now, she was a big fan of Victorious. And she was telling me about how if you look back, there was an there was kind of an a rivalry between Ariana Grande and Victoria Justice. Mm. And they did this kind of like cast QA video, fun for YouTube or whatever. Uh-huh. And they asked the cast, like, oh, like who's the person that won't stop singing? Who's the person that's like just the most musical out of everyone? And they they get everyone talking and they're like, oh, it's, it's Ariana. Ariana doesn't stop singing. Oh, Ariana, she's the music theater nerd, blah, blah, blah. Ariana. And Ariana's like, yeah, it's probably me. Victoria Justice is like, well, come on, guys. We're, we're, we're all singing all the time. <laughs> right? Because you like, have this Don't show. forget about me. Yeah, you have this show that's about you and your, your singing career at a performing arts high school. And everyone's mm-hmm. like talking about Ariana Grande. Yeah. Um. So I think that it's, it's fascinating that she has this origin story 
um, she's able to break from that, create a, a kind of brand new image for herself, and then, you know, parlay that into a really successful music career, mm-hmm. but not without bumps along the way. And I think that that's kind of what I want to talk about when I talk about the song Focus and how that song fits into, um, one, an artist that's trying to figure out their sound kind of in real time. Uh-huh. Two, the idea of a non-album single. And I think that this is something that is becoming more and more prevalent. The non-album single, kind of the oopsie, you know? Uh-huh. Like the artist that released something and they're like, I'm really excited about this. This is, this is the lead single to my new album. And then, you know, it fails. And three months later, they're like, oh, no, no, no. That was never supposed to be a single. That was just a gift to my fans. Or, you know, that kind of twisting the narrative that enables yeah, artists yeah, yeah. to... Oh, it was just, I just wanted to get it out there. Yeah, yeah. And, and how that's that's such a modern day or present day thing. It's something that could not have been done 20 years ago, right? Yeah. And then also just like why I like this song. Because full disclosure, I don't like this song because it's a good song. I was also going to say full disclosure, you you sometimes don't get around to why do you yeah, like this song. Uh, so. That, so, so hold me to that. Hold me to okay, those three okay. things because sometimes I don't get to that last bullet point. Full disclosure, I don't think that this is a great song. I think it's more of a fascinating song more than anything else. Okay. Um, anyway. Um, well, when we come back from a break, mm-hmm. we'll talk about focus. In the meantime, songs and videos again featured in today's episode will be posted to our website, flopredeemer.com. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe to us on your podcast platform of choice. And check us out on social at Flop Redeemer on Instagram and Twitter and at Facebook.com slash Flop Redeemer. Please email us your suggestions, your um, your favorite uh, Sam and Cat anythings, your favorite Ariana songs. Uh, maybe, you're, you know, you dispute any of the assertions <laughs> here. Uh, don't keep it to yourself. Let us know. Send us an email at Flop Redeemer at gmail.com. And uh, we'll talk about that when we come back from a break. All right, we're back. We're back. And um, we're in the middle of uh, Ariana Grande Love Fest. We kind of talked about her beginnings in this... um, God, what was the name of the show? Victorious Universe. It was like this crazy thing called Life. Yeah. Oh, you know what's funny? Okay, so Victorious gets canceled after three seasons. Unexpectedly. Like, this is a show about high schoolers. A show about high schoolers should run for four seasons. Yeah. Freshman, sophomore, junior, senior. This show Uh gets unexpectedly canceled after three seasons. And there's always been these rumors because the uh, executive producer or like the creator of... Um, Victorious was this guy named Dan Schneider. Mm-hmm. This is my last foray into gossip. I've already forgotten the three bullet points I'm supposed to cover in this episode. <laughs> um, Dan Schneider. So Dan Schneider creates like Zoe 101 starring Jamie uh-huh. Lynn Spears. Okay. He was also the creator of iCarly, which uh-huh. starred Miranda Cosgrove, but also had like um, Victoria Justice had a small role on iCarly uh-huh. as well. Uh-huh. And then he did Victorious. And then following Victorious's can- unexpected cancellation, Ariana Grande and Jeanette McCurdy, who was on iCarly, get their own spinoff show, this odd couple spinoff show called Sam and Cat, that gets an order for 40 episodes, which is seems like a very large number of episodes. They only make it through like 33 episodes before the show gets pulled. 
Okay. And reportedly behind the scenes, stuff goes weird, very weird with this Dan Schneider guy. Dan Schneider, he actually was one of the kids on the 80s television show Head of the Class. I don't okay. know if you ever watched that show. It was about a, it was about a, a school where these uh, genius kids were all congregated into one class. Robin Givens was one of the geniuses. Oh. Um, and then this guy, Dan Schneider. There okay. were a bunch of other people. Anyway, th- so I, and I'd heard rumblings all the time that like something funky was always going on behind the scenes. Because keep in mind, like the idea of tweens is very new. And so the idea of kids that are like between like 13 and 17 are increasingly acting like adults. You know what I'm saying? Uh-huh, I think we talked uh-huh. about how in the eighties and nineties you were a, a child yeah. well into your teens, right? Yeah. In the eighties. Yeah. And like slowly, like it's the whole 13 going on 30 idea that like teenagers are very, very mature. So these shows start to get a little bit too mature. People nowadays point out all the weird, creepy things about these shows there's a clip, I think it's from Victoria, Victorious, where Ariana Grande talks about how she's able to get her big toe into her mouth. Ew. And it, it's a montage of her sucking on her big toe. Ugh, disgusting. Very weird. Very weird. These shows get all get canceled. Dan, the, uh, Nickelodeon severs ties with Dan Schneider in like 2018. Very fascinating stuff. I can't speak to any of it because it's all alleged. It's all rumors. But because I, I remember thinking like something weird was always going on behind the scenes of these Nickelodeon shows. Obviously, Zoe 101 was canceled I mean, because J- uh, Jamie Lee, Jamie Lynn Spears got pregnant when she was 15 while filming uh, that show. Um, I mean, he he was he did create Good Burger. Do you remember that movie with Keenan Thompson? I, Keen I have not seen. I mean, I remember the movie. I never watched it. I was not into like I, the all that. I, I, like, I think he was I part mean, of all that, and I never yeah, was really into that. I didn't either, but for some reason, I might have been because my brothers or something. We ended up watching Good Burger, and I thought it was hilarious at the time. So I was more of an um, "Are you afraid of the dark?" guy. Ah, uh, God, I, I am. That show. So I couldn't watch that. Oh man, so good. Anyway, so what happens? So now that I've gotten my um, dark and scary Hollywood gossip portion out of the way, and I've completely lost my script because it's buried under windows and tabs of all this other useless information. Okay. (laughs) So I think that like one thing that I want to talk about in terms of, wait, can you remind, do you remember what my three bullet points were? I said them off the top of my head. I know one was about a non-album single. That was the second one. What was the first one? I think it was, oh, oh, you know what? It was about kind of like. Someone finding her sound. Yeah. Okay. Let's go into that. So the first thing I wanted to talk about was the idea of Ariana Grande taking the time to define what her ultimate sound is going to be. Like, you know, taking on the ultimate form of, I think the type of music that you've identified as like why you have become a big fan of Ariana Ariana Grande over time is like the type of music that I feel she's discovered that she's very good at making the type of music that she makes. That's very sonically pleasing. Mm-hmm. She's really arrived at that after three or four albums of, am I going to do this doo-wop thing? Am I going to do this nineties throwback R and B stuff? What, what kind of music am I going to be making? Am I going to be doing EDM with Zed? Am I going to mm-hmm. be getting rap features from Iggy Azalea? Like who am I? Right. Like mm-hmm. we don't, we don't necessarily get that from any of her first two albums necessarily Mm -hmm. we get kind of a a mixed bag of singles from her we should also point out that like you know not only is she like figuring this out but they're like in quick succession 
right? Yeah. Like the first album is 2013. The second album is 2014. And then, you know, there's 2016, 2018. Like she's, she's prolific. Yeah. You know, this is at that time. She's one of those artists. Like it's sometimes it's hard to know what was an early Ariana. And like, you, you, you might know it's early, but like what album, where did this feature? And because like you, there's so many, so much content. I feel like I feel like the easiest demarcation for Ariana Grande is before Dangerous Woman and after Dangerous Woman. Mm-hmm. I feel like the before Dangerous Woman era is really Ariana Grande figuring it out. What is the type of music that she's going to be making? How does she transition from being a tween television star into an adult um, singing artist with longevity basically or with a uh-huh. point of, with a clear point of view i think more than anything else because i think that up until this point she had had a couple of years of being able to kind of cement this idea of herself her as mini mariah mm-hmm. which i think was you know controversial to say the least mm-hmm. even among or even with mariah carey herself right like i feel yeah. like a mariah carey did not acknowledge ariana grande until yeah this yeah last for- year. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, she knows who she she is. I will say that, like, the first time that The Way came on the radio, the first time I heard Mm -hmm. that song come on the radio, in the back of my head, I was like, is this a weird Mariah Carey song? Like, is Mariah Carey doing something new and different? Because she does share a little bit of vocal quality with Mariah. I mean, I think that people always note that she has... um, the whistle register that Mariah mm-hmm. often employs, especially in Mariah's early stuff. Um, but I, I also kind of relate Ariana Grande's kind of mumble mouth, especially in a certain part of her voice mm-hmm. with Mariah Carey. I think Mariah Carey deploys that kind of mumbling at a certain part of her register. Especially more recently. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, and then that's the thing. It's not like, I think that people aren't necessarily saying that she sounds like Mariah from like, I mean, there are aspects of Mariah from like 1990 Mariah, but like also a lot, Mariah has been doing, it's, we're 20 years in, 21 years into the new millennium. Like a lot of Ariana stuff kind of sounds like maybe like early 2000s, mid 2000s Mariah too. Like that <laughs> yeah. mumbly stuff. Right. So. Yeah. And, and, and it's uh, another thing is to say that like Mariah Carey, Whitney Houston, like those are the artists that influenced, you know, Everybody. several generations yeah. now of singers. Yeah. Like every young singer talks about trying to emulate Mariah Carey, trying to emulate Whitney Houston. Very few people can do it. Obviously, uh, 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 Exhibit A, Rihanna doing Hero. <laughs> exhibit A, B, C, and D. <laughs> Rihanna doing Hero. Everyone look it up. Um but I feel like, one, that recipe was kind of getting a little bit old for Ariana Grande. Mm-hmm. I don't think that that is enough to define your point of view, to basically be labeled the mini Mariah, to be identified by, you know, your your high ponytail, you know, or your, your kind of quirky, your quirky character, you know? Mm-hmm. And so going into her third album, which is originally going to be called Moonlight, you know, we talked about this weird cutesy saccharine thing that Ariana Grande kind of had going for her. She releases a single called Focus. And I remember hearing the song. And my first blush reaction to the song was, my God, what a terrible song. <laughs> what a terrible and unpleasant song. 
And despite that, despite that, the the single doesn't perform poorly. I think the the single actually peaks at like number seven on the Billboard Hot 100. I think it sells, I think it goes platinum, the single. Mm. But regardless of that, the single, for whatever reason, it's it, it, the perception across the board, I think, is that this is not a good song for her. One of the interesting criticisms that this song got was that a lot of people felt like it was too similar to the song Problem that she did with mm-hmm. Iggy Azalea from the previous album. Mm-hmm. And I had never, I never thought of that as the case. Because I think of Problem as a very well-constructed, very hooky pop song. Like it shares a lot of the elements of it, of like kind of like a a brassy horn line, and that it's 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 actually like very similar to what I think of as the crazy in love, one thing take this ring kind of vibe, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, the chorus. I mean, it kind of sounds exactly the same. I mean, not. I mean, and even she talks about it being like the kind of a follow up to it. Yeah, so which I, I was shocked by. I. I honest to God, never made that connection until I started reading it in reviews and interview interviews with her that this was supposed to be like the, the sister song to problem. It, well, to when, me, it's yeah. very, that thing we were talking about this with Tony Braxton. We talked about this with take, take that ring, uh, the idea of uh, a mimeograph of a Xerox of a fax uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. of like, you know, an engraving of a rubbing off of a tombstone from 1865. Like the, the song focus it feels like it has so many of the layers stripped away that were present in problem that I feel like focus, I don't even make the connection. I feel like focus just sounds like the chorus from problem. That's huh. what it is. If you listen to problem, the, just the chorus that to me is where they start for focus. But, but you know, I mean, but I think, yeah, I think I guess, I guess to me though, like the production on focus just feels a little more spare. Mm. It's missing, yeah. it's missing, it's missing like two or three Arianas. It's missing a trombone, maybe <laughs> three yeah. or four trumpets. Something is gone. Something is gone from this song. And so my my first blush reaction to this song was like, my God, what an unpleasant song. In retrospect, I I I feel like I listen to this song now and I genuinely like it. And I was like, what is the thing? What is the thing that flipped that switch for me? Yeah, what changed for you? Okay, I think that the first major contributing factor is just that this song is kind of largely scrubbed away, right? Mm-hmm. This album, this song is scrapped from Dangerous Woman, or then the album was called Moonlight. This song gets scrapped, the album gets retuned to become Dangerous Woman. Um, and so there's a scarcity thing about it where I still have a I think I have a strong desire to hear things that I feel like were denied to me. Mm. You know, okay. It, it's, okay. it's the absence makes the grow, heart grow fonder kind of idea. Okay. So there is that aspect to it. The forbidden fruit of it all. Yeah. Very, very, very that. But I think that also what, what at the time made this song so jarring, so unpleasant was that, I had been liking Ariana Grande's music more and more because it was becoming more of what, what did you call it? Celestial 
Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, it was yeah. it was it was getting more soothing, more electro tinged. Her two singles, the two singles that preceded Focus, the like the last two singles from her previous album, were the songs "Love Me Harder" and "One Last mm-hmm. Time." Mm-hmm. So she's doing the, she's doing her percussive kind of transitioning. Into she's that. doing her percussive singles first. She's doing "Problem," "Break Free," "Bang Bang." Right, those songs those songs all come out very percussive, very over the top, very hard hitting. Mm-hmm. Then she does Love Me Harder One Last Time. And all of a sudden I'm like, oh yeah, I can get into this. I can listen to this, you know, to, to your many stories of like, I can listen to this on my commute. Yeah, I love Love Me Harder. Like that was, that was the beginning also, like of just being like, oh. When you're, when you're thinking of going into your 9.15 a.m. conference call and you're in your car on your way to work, you just, those are the songs that you need to just calm you down in advance of yeah. what you can see is going to be a hard yeah. work day. Yeah, yeah. It like surrounds you in a cloud of music. Uh, your protective bubble on your way to on the way to yep. the office. So I thought that I I could see the road that Ariana Grande was traveling down, and then we get this song, we get mm-hmm. Focus, and it's it's it, it's it kind of slaps. It's got the waka waka kind of electronic squeakiness to it. Waka waka. <laughs> Listen to it. There, there's a waka waka. I know. Waka in this. <laughs> I think a waka waka is like a you know Fozzie the Bear. Yeah. The almost almost the entire chorus is a male vocal uncredited but later revealed to be jamie fox yeah i was doing his best okay ariana grande talks about you know wanting a male vocal on this and you know getting getting in touch with jamie fox to put this vocal down and she says um that she wanted something kind of james brown kind Uh of funky added to it yeah i i also never made that connection my immediate thought was mystical. Yeah. Adam was like, oh yeah, it's mystical, right? And I was like, no, guess again. <laughs> and like, no, I mean, exactly. You're like, nah, 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 nah. you know, right? Danger. Like, yeah. Yeah. Watch yourself. Like I did not. Yeah. I was like, Jamie Fox. So, but which, which, which made me wonder like, oh, was mystical. Is that what mystical was going for? Was like, we, we go James Brown to mystical to Jamie Fox in focus with Ariana Grande. Um, <laughs> But I, so I think it, I think it was like a jarring progression initially that made me dislike this song. And so okay. out of context of that, one, you know, once it's out of time for me, mm-hmm. I listen to the song and I'm like, oh, it's actually like a really, it's a pretty interesting song. It's not as grating as I remember it being. Mm-hmm. It does actually do an interesting thing where it takes this kind of 70s funk groove that we've hit mm-hmm. with crazy in love or with uh one One thing thing. actually this song sonically to me it shares a lot in common with the jennifer lopez song get right yeah i can see that because jennifer lopez's get right it was also that was like that was the mimeograph fax machine copy of take this ring by tony braxton is it that old i mean or that new um, one thing take this ring and get right all came out in 2005 they were all on Beyonce's 2003 Crazy in Love coattails. Yeah, because I didn't like, I remember Get Right was like not my favorite. Yeah. Well, Get Right by Jennifer Lopez, flop song in and of itself, originally an Usher song, supposed to be, but Usher had the good sense to discard it. Mm-hmm. Probably because he was like, this is that same song you sold to Tony Braxton and Amory and Beyonce. Yeah. But Jennifer Lopez, okay, so when Amory was working on uh, One Thing, Mm-hmm. Have you heard the story that Amory leaked that song? No. 
Okay, Amory had been working on that song with Rich Harrison. Like they were trying to get her label Columbia to buy into this song. One thing, mm-hmm. you know, iconic song for her. Yeah, probably her only, her only and song. Like hit. nobody knows anything else from Amory. Hitch soundtrack, big hit for Amory. Um, according to legend, her label never liked that song. They they kept trying to work on it to try and get her label to buy into it. They were adjusting all the levels, all the instrumentation, trying to get the vocals. But again, like this is a the sound of seventies funk was like a hard sell. Yeah. In two thousand three through two thousand five, um, finally, I think what I've heard is that perhaps Amory got wind that Jennifer Lopez wanted to record this song. Hmm. So Amory leaked the song to radio and was like, "By the way, guys, here's my new single. It's called One Thing. It's by Amory," and completely tanked Jennifer Lopez's chance to ever actually release it because um it started picking up steam on radio after it was leaked and her label tried to stop it her label was trying to be like don't play this song it's it's not official but they couldn't stop it so ultimately they were like okay this is an amory song like let's put it on the hitch soundtrack um blew up blew up for amory um so jennifer lopez bringing this background jennifer lopez not to be deterred really wants a 70s funk inspired rich harrison song she gets the usher cast off get right which is i think the maternal great grandmother of focus by ariana grande but <laughs> i think it's that, so it's so weird like it's like it like yeah. doesn't it's it dissonant just, ugh, it's yeah it, it, it's screechy and it would not die they would always they would always just play that in the clubs remember and you had to dance i mean I really they played it in the clubs and it. only the clubs because uh yeah. that was like the beginning of the end for jennifer lopez that was the first i think that that jennifer lopez album the rebirth album mm-hmm. i feel like that was the first jennifer jennifer lopez album that did not drown her voice out with backing vocalists well maybe her 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 discreet arrangements with her uh quote-unquote backing vocalists ended yes her discreet (laughs) arrangement (laughs) she was going to have to uh be fully naked and her own voice is very naked oh that whole uh, get right that that song is a naked jennifer lopez it did not get right and not not in a good way anyway um, so this song focus, we get to it. And again, in retrospect, I, I just find it to be such a curiosity. Mm-hmm. I think that in that it was not on trend at the time and it was not big at the time. I find it to be one of her least dated songs, strangely. Yeah, I can see that because it's it sort of it, it that that sound could kind of, well, I, I would say not dated. Well, it falls within a certain era, but you don't know when. Yeah. And it right? never got played. Like it never got played out. So, yeah. you know, it can play. It never got played out. So it can play on. <laughs> anyway. Um, but this brings up an interesting idea to me because more and more, and I think mostly this is the prime example of uh, a non, the idea of a non-album single. Mm-hmm. A single that gets released, gets a video treatment, um, is initially touted to be the lead single of a forthcoming album, but then ultimately appears nowhere. Mm-hmm. And this is a very new thing. Um, not very new, I guess. This is... No, I, re- I remember that being part of the conversation. Yeah. When, because she had a big introduction to this album. Remember she like opened the VMAs or she had a huge performance at the VMAs. I don't remember if it was opening. Yeah. She did like three different songs and like 
you know, up to that point, we had heard Focus. Mm-hmm. Right. But like, that wasn't one. And like, I guess the other songs were kind of newer, right? Like, there was like, oh, it's kind of a different direction. They, go, they, they, they end up leading off with Dangerous Woman. Mm-hmm. Um, they end up leading with Dangerous Woman instead, in part because. They want, they realize like the image change isn't necessarily going to work for her. I don't know what that was about because to see the stark difference between um, the way that focus was going, focus like Ariana Grande, she had wanted like pastel purple hair. She was wearing like this whole pastel purple, pastel pink fantasy. Um, but Dangerous Woman, of course, the iconography of Dangerous Woman becomes the the black rabbit mask, mm-hmm. which uh, that's a that's a daring move. I think I feel like yeah. it took a lot of a lot of balls to be like I can make this this rubber rabbit. Well, mask, and this I think. is the thing about Ariana. She's she's scary like Rihanna to me. Like <laughs> you know they're cool, but like I would be terrified to be her friend. Oh, or to like know her, like as I'd be like, oh my god, she'll like call me out on something so fast, or be like, you're so lame, or whatever. Yeah. Like, I wouldn't know how to respond, you know, like, and 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 she has that sort of confidence or swag about her mm-hmm. that, like, mm-hmm. you know, I didn't know where it came from. Yeah, she right? definitely has a little bit of like a couldn't uh, a couldn't care less kind of. There's there is that sort of couldn't care less, but also like the couldn't care less of someone who is like knows she's hot you know what i mean that's so it's so interesting too because up until up until even up to dangerous woman i never thought of ariana grande as quote-unquote the hot girl mm-hmm. because if she's you look cute. at yeah if you look at who she was on nickelodeon victoria justice was supposed to be the hot one mm-hmm. the hot kind of quote-unquote normal person i guess yeah ariana grande's character on Victoria's definitely the quirky sidekick, definitely not being marketed as the hot one. If you, if you ever like, do you remember seeing Ariana Grande when I think she, when she hosted and was the musical act on SNL and she did like a Judy Garland impression. Yeah. 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 A lot of those, a lot of those things were almost directly pulled from Victoria's. There was an, there was an Alice, uh, not Alice in Wonderland. There was a, um, Wizard of Oz episode of Victorious. And that's where Ariana Grande does like her Judy Garland as Dorothy, Dorothy Gale mm-hmm. impression mm-hmm. that she then mm-hmm. later resurrects in this bizarre SNL episode. Um, not as episode, the <laughs> have skit. To, have, to, have to go back and watch it. The Chooch Chabooch when she's the, she's the, she's the captain of a starship as Judy Garland. Yes, yes, yes. yes. So good. Amazing. I know, I have to go watch it. I mean, like people forget, like, yeah, she's, she's talented. Yeah. And that was, and that was kind of, Harkening back to her victorious days when she w- she wasn't like a huge sex symbol. She was the quirky girl. Yeah, she was the quirky um, girl. But interesting that you say that because one of the things around 2015 that's circling around Ariana Grande is that increasingly she is in the media getting a reputation as a diva. Mm-hmm. That, yeah, like being carried everywhere. Or the, just that she is, uh, you know, shutting down interviews and, you know, walking out on things and just being giving throw, giving a lot of attitude basically Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. nothing's worth her time basically Mm -hmm. and also in 2015 is a uh a surveillance video in a los angeles area donut shop featuring ariana grande um going into a donut shop in the middle of the night with her friends 
asking the store clerk to bring out a fresh tray of donuts. And they kind of send the the employee back and forth to the kitchen, if I'm recalling this correctly. And while the employee is in the kitchen with this fresh tray of donuts in front of her, Ariana Grande proceeds to lick a bunch of donuts in the tray. Mm-hmm. And then she goes, and then the microphone picks her up saying like, God, I hate America. I hate Americans. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I remember this. I mean, re- how could you That not? just reinforces your idea of her as like some Italian diva. <laughs> well, that was, that was my pre, cause I, I just kind of was like, Oh God. Like, cause I remember just being like, uh, I mean, who is this Ariana Grande? Well, she's, she, that's, that's what I mean. Like, she's like, it's like, you know how, like, as you get older, like the more and more you're afraid of like teenagers and stuff. Okay. Cause like they'll, they'll just, they're just cutting and use. Yeah. Like they're just mean. Right. Like, or just like they'll, they'll cut you down to size mm-hmm. okay. real quick. Yeah, yeah. yeah, That's how I feel about her to some extent. Sometimes <laughs> where I'm just like, I, I would never, cause even just like, she's on even on Twitter or on Instagram, like she and she and Rihanna have a way of responding to people's criticisms or whatever with like two words or whatever that are so cutting that they're <laughs> devastating. And I'm just like, I'm just like, oh, and so this, this started around this time. I mean, like, to be honest, I kind of like pushed this out of my mind because it's the whole convenient. donut licking thing. It's, it's not convenient for me in terms of like just enjoying the rest of the albums. But that did that did stop me for a moment. I was like, what's going on here? You know, what's funny is that at the time I remember being like, Ugh, Ariana Grande, what a, what a dumbass. Mm-hmm. Um, but even even then I was like, you know what? In the grand scheme of things, it's not that bad. In the grand I mean, scheme of gross. things, in the grand scheme of things for like a 20, a young 20s girl out with her friends in the middle of the uh, in the middle of the night the fact that the thing that she was doing was she was just doing dumbass pranks with her friends like you know of course it's unhygienic of course it's disgusting but i mean she wasn't robbing a store is that what you're saying she was not falling into the trappings that i think are unique to young celebrities. She wasn't that, like on a Coke binge. Exactly. She mm. was she was doing the same stupid shit that a lot of normal young people do. I can see that. And just don't get caught because you're a normal person. And then yeah. the, the clerk will just yell at you and chase you out of their store and maybe call the cops. But you know, she's Ariana Grande. She's licking donuts in 2015. She's licking donuts in July of 2015. And this song Focus comes out in, I think, October or November of 2015. So bad timing, bad timing all around for this yeah, song. She had to like do an apology, right? Like, I mean, obviously. So a very strange initial apology claiming that her comments about hating Americans, that was the weirdest thing out of context was I hate Americans. Um, her, her comments about I hate Americans was about um, the obesity epidemic. <laughs> And that donuts were contributing to the obesity epidemic. Um, but, it was, <laughs> but it was all it was all mumbly fumbles for, for Ariana Grande. And she <laughs> mumbly had to, fumble. Because I think there was like an initial apology that dealt with the obesity epidemic. Yeah, 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 and then yeah, she yeah, had yeah. to kind of scrap that one and do a, a full scripted, like generic Hollywood um, apology to everyone. But of course, in the aftermath of that, and then, you know, still again trying to figure out like what is her true strength as an artist as a musician Mm -hmm. um they just decide like hey you know what 2015 
2015 for Ariana Grande was the original 2020, right? Like she just had to be like, Hey guys, 2015 did not happen. Like, let's just move on. 2016 becomes the year of dangerous woman. That's when she releases this. So the lead single to her third album becomes dangerous woman, which is then retitled dangerous woman. Um, I don't even like the song dangerous woman. Really? I mean, I do. Okay. I mean, everyone, you know, that's it's not, not 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 unusual for us to disagree on which song <laughs> on the album that we like. I I you know it's funny because as you're talking about this, I wonder how much of that controversy ended up playing into her pivot away from cute and into quote unquote a dangerous woman. Because you can't go back to being like cutesy princess once you've licked America's donuts and given them the middle finger, right? Like you can't. Yeah. And so even if you apologize, like the veil has been lifted. You are not a sweet heart, mm-hmm. right? Like there's an edge to you that like previously maybe we did not know and was hidden under taffeta. And now you're this and so you take a a year you kind of reset and it's like we're going to be a little bit harder we're going to be a little bit more grown up a little bit quote unquote dangerous which is funny fully because up to this point ariana grande was literally literally wearing poodle skirts yeah yeah poodle skirts poodle skirts and the really wide 60s headbands yeah was not and then she comes out with dangerous woman in 2016 she's got it looks to be like a patent leather it's almost like a S&M hood mm-hmm. with uh, bunny ears on it. Or it could be a superhero like the play. Hood. It's kind of like the Playboy bunny ears, but like yeah. made S&M. Exactly. And so this is like the opening of a new era for Ariana Grande. I think it's actually very smart because you can, I feel like you can only be a young artist for so long, like a tween mm-hmm. artist, like Janet Jackson, right? Had a difficult go of it, of transitioning into a more mature audience. Hmm. Or a more mature artist. Subject matter too, yeah. Subject matter being having permission to talk about adult things. Mm-hmm. Don't don't um don't call your debut single like let's wait a while because people will hold you to it. Um because it's on Dangerous Woman that then she's able to do I mean, again, terrible song, side to side, featuring the side to side is, yeah, yeah, yeah. Garbage. I'm gonna leave them um, walking side to side. Is that the one is that the, that's the song where Nicki Minaj coins the term um, dick bicycle. Is that what it is? No, hand icicle. <laughs> is it hand icicle yeah, and yeah. dick bicycle? Yeah, 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 yeah. Something like that, yeah. Um, I'm not going to go and re- read it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, there's that. I mean, she also, she also, so while doing the photo shoot for that album cover with the with the hood, the bunny hood, um, you know, I, I also remember them releasing, there was that video that they had taken of her singing dangerous woman, just sort of acapella, like in the while, like in between setups mm-hmm. essentially, or ostensibly in between setups. And the reverb is that cause it's in the studio or like a, a photo studio space. And it really also cements the fact that like this woman can sing yeah. like, and she's got an amazing voice. And so again, further break from sort of, I mean, you know, she's going to go on and she's going to do like fully produced pop music. It's it's not going to be less produced than her previous ones, but it's asserting that like, yes, through all of this though, like this is a woman who doesn't have, there's no artifice in her voice. Like her voice is unlike other, any others. Yeah.
And so what I think is actually really powerful, though, about this moment for her is that the idea of the non-album single, the idea of being mm-hmm. able to scrap your single completely, it's, it's a relatively new idea. The idea that you could just go back, take time off, and be like, you know what? Killing this album, maybe, you know, obviously some of the tracks from Moonlight, including the title track Moonlight, make it onto the final version of Dangerous mm-hmm. Woman. But by and large, you know, the digital streaming era kind of gives artists this permission to say like, you know what, release this single. It's not that big of a deal if it doesn't, mm-hmm. if it doesn't work mm-hmm. out, you can, it, it'll basically be like your testing waters of being yeah. like, Hey guys, w- what about this? You know, yeah. or I have a lot world. of music. I just want to share. Yeah. Versus like only what a decade prior to this, when we talked Even about Pink, five years, when we talked about, I was thinking about when we talked about pink and pink's third album, again, another artist trying to figure out what her, what her end sound is going to be yeah. releases the ill-fated album. Try this. Like that album was already in trouble off of the singles that they were releasing yeah. off of it. And I just yeah. have to think that like, reset. yeah, at that time, because of production schedules or because of the physical copies of CDs that were being produced and the timelines involved in that. And the fact that, you know, things were on iTunes and you had to download them and things weren't as disposable, quote unquote, mm-hmm. as they are now. Mm-hmm. You couldn't really do that hard reset that you could suddenly do in yeah. 2015 of just yeah. saying, forget this. Right. Yeah. It was it, in order to listen to it. Like it was, it was a higher bar. I mean, yeah, yeah it was a higher bar because you, you couldn't just stream it. Yeah. Oh my God. Back in the day it. with iTunes, you had to listen to 30 seconds of a song yeah. on iTunes. Do and I it like was, this? Yeah. But it was, it was so revolutionary. It was, it felt like such a luxury to be like, Oh my God, I can preview. Well, cause remember it went from like 10 seconds to 30 seconds. Yeah. And it I mean, felt like, Oh wow. But also, okay. In the eighties, you had to buy albums completely fucking blind. Yeah. Or you had to go to Virgin and that like was in the nineties, Virgin the 90s, megastore yeah. had the listening take, what, stations. Was it five? I forget how many, like, I, or you okay. hoped, you hoped that the one that you wanted to listen to was connected to one of the things. Yeah. It, it was at it. the listening stations. I remember yeah. like later in the nineties, you could actually take a, a copy of a CD up to the counter and they would open it for you and play it for you. Mm-hmm. But you had to stand there. Yeah. 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 Um, but like the luxury of knowing what full albums sound like, mm-hmm. I feel like that really like inflated album sales in the eighties. The number of albums that I own from the eighties and early nineties that are objectively terrible because well, yeah. you couldn't hear them. So you just had to buy well, them off of like one song. Oh my goodness. And you truly, you truly got used to, you know, knowing you were fully going to spend $20 and like three songs, maybe. Yeah. Or, or or that sinking feeling that you would have, you get something home and you really only like the one song. Yeah. And you're like, what is the rest of this? And you do the math and you're like, I just spent 1999 mm-hmm. for one song. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and obviously you've contributed to their album sales, but like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, at the time, like that's, a, I mean, if you're, if you're, you know, back when I was buying albums like that, I was making what less than $7 an hour. And oh, if yeah. you think, you know, if you think $20 is nothing, that's almost three hours of work, <laughs> right? Like <laughs> three hours of work for one album and like you only like one song. It was like a big percentage of your income at the time. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. So Ariana Grande, because of the modern era, the modern times that we live in, she gets the opportunity to do a hard reset. I think that this sets her up to hone in on the sounds that she 
kind of goes full force on with her later albums. I think that mm-hmm. when you get into Sweetener, mm-hmm. right, you're starting to get a more defined kind of signature. I want to say a signature Ariana Grande sound. Yeah. Yeah. Of like what I expect an Ariana Grande song to be, um, that I think is kind of traveled with her and, and mm-hmm. evolved a little bit, but it's largely been like the sonic deployment of her voice from Sweetener, Thank You Next, and Positions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously the music is different, but like I think the way that her voice is being deploy- deployed and the unification of what an Ariana Grande album sounds like has been much more refined in the last few years. Agree. Agree. It's very consistent. So, um, God, did I get through all the bullet points already? I think you did, Barry. Oh in my like God. record time. It's only an I hour. Went, we went straight into talking about that song. Well, the one thing that I wanted to mention though, also, oh, here we go. God, did, did I just ruin it? Did I ruin the moment? I don't know. No, Should I'm we come back for a second hour? <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you this though. One thing that always stuck out to me about this, I was like, you know, Focus came out. It was a bizarre sounding choice at the time. It was removed from the album. The whole out course of that album changed. And I remember always being like, what a stupid choice. Why would she change things up? Why would she make something so different? In fact, all of Ariana Grande's big songs are always produced by the same people. Yeah. This yeah. song, Focus, it was in fact also by Max Martin, um, Ilya, uh, Savan Kotecha. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. These are these are names that we've touched upon several times. Yeah. Like I think this is the group of people that wrote um, that Sam Smith song, "Dancing." Nope. What was the Sam Smith song? The that we Normani one. No, the, the one, one that we talked Tom. about. The one that was like um, he was feeling his uh, his voguing realness in the video. Oh, they they oh, were feeling oh, their oh, voguing oh, realness. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I forget. My God. Hold oh my on. God. <laughs> Hold on. I'm going back through our through our episode <gasps> list because it was very early on. Um, la 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 la. Carrie, nope, nope. See, this is the problem with that. The man the, show. No, that was it. That's not it. Oh my god! It was the first. Okay. It was like the third episode. Yeah, I know. But We've no, had but what 42. was that? So what, what was that Sam Smith song called? Hey, uh, okay, Sam Smith. How do you sleep? How do you sleep? How do you sleep? Yeah, I was like, it's not in the title. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, but that's, that, that was like a big revelation for me that Ariana Grande has been pretty consistently been working with the same group of people, but creating, at least in those early albums, very drastically different sounding music. You know, like, I think that we associate Max Martin or Peter Svensson or any of those um, Swedish pop hit makers mm-hmm. with a very particular sound, mm-hmm. right? And also almost that, almost like you're going to get a signature sound and it's not really going to evolve, but that's not really the case. Yeah. And I think that we have a perception that, um, I mean, they always talk about like, oh, like Max Martin, he just has the key. He understands the mechanics of what makes a good pop song. And I think it's so fascinating that Focus came out of this exact same group of people because it is, I don't feel like it has the signature of a, a modern day pop song. Well, it's yeah. And it, and I think it's, um, and who knows? I mean, maybe it was from a previous session that they resurrected right for this album. And, yeah. and, and, you know, it wasn't, it just didn't work for the time, but I mean, it's like, it's like with Diane Warren, we think of Diane Warren as being like this legendary pop, songwriter and she is 
but she's also gone oh for 12 at the oscars <laughs> like, yeah right like but like it, you know it's it's just like yes those are truly diane warren songs but they're not yeah. like, they're not always the best you know what i mean it's like isn't isn't diane warren and probably max martin is like this as well it's 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 part of it is like pure volume yeah they can't like you, all be winners yeah like diane, diane warren is like notoriously prolific with like the number of people she's worked with, yeah. the number of songs that and she's songs written. that she writes for and, other people or that she sells. And the same, I think the same thing applies to Max Martin. Like you see Max Martin's name credited on so many songs mm-hmm. and um, yeah, focus. It's just baffling to me that this is a Max Martin song. Well, and thinking about you, that song that I said was like my favorite that and like breathe in, but thinking about you, it's funny. It's Peter Svensson wrote it, but like Max Martin's credited as like the keyboards. So it's like, you know, they're kind of everywhere. Yeah. Right? Who like knows what's just, happening you know. in the room? Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I was in prepping for this episode. I was kind of going a lot through Ariana Grande's discography, her feature discography kind of front to back. Because I will admit that, like, after Sweetener, I didn't really listen to a lot of songs mm. from Ariana Grande. Sweetener I feel is like, a really good album. I feel like I felt, I feel like I fell away from, like, pop radio, mm-hmm. especially since I stopped driving my car. Um, <laughs> so I just stopped hearing things. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, full disclosure, I never really heard a lot from the album Positions. I've only listened to, so I've only listened to it through maybe once or twice it's not the same it's not like with sweetener i would just put it on repeat because mm-hmm. like that that album just kind of goes um thank you next it's funny because i have to like looking at the track listing here ghost in bloodline fake smile i'm like i don't remember these songs in the way that i remember them on sweetener um if i listen to it i'm like oh okay this song right like i you know it it becomes a little bit more inscrutable to some degree where I'm like, I don't know what song this is. It's because she Um, doesn't believe in capitalization. That drives me crazy. Sorry. Um, it's funny that started on like sweetener. Yeah. Everything, you know, drives me crazy. Um, it is, it is hard. I, you know, yeah, I, I couldn't tell you necessarily what all the songs are on positions, right? Like, but yeah, I don't, I don't really know them. But I mean, Positions has given her like a string of number, like viral number mm-hmm. one hits. Mm-hmm. Um, I was tuning into um, her YouTube channel, watching a lot of her v- music videos, and I'd never seen the lyric video for POV. Mm-hmm. It's like a, it's like a, a gay interracial um, modern dance urban fantasy. It's lovely. Oh. Okay. That's a lovely. I, maybe little, I didn't. Yeah, it's a lovely little. So you think you can dance outdoor gay interracial number that okay. I quite enjoyed. Okay, I'll it made me think that. of um. And by way of wanting to add this to the playlist, have you ever heard of uh, the artist John Grant? No. Okay, so because I was watching the video for Ariana Grande's POV, it's a lyric video, so she's not in it. It's just these two dancers. It's lovely. Mm-hmm. Um, but immediately I was like, oh, like this is like the light counterparts to this song by hercules and love affair featuring john okay. grant okay this, they did this song together called um i try to talk to you and hercules and love affair is like a, a dj that has like yeah like house oh like i house know what producer. you're talking about i know what you're talking about john yeah. and john grant is like uh this big bear of a man 
Mm-hmm. Um, but he has this very like kind of sweet singing voice. He does these great mm-hmm. songs. And he did this song with Hercules and Love Affair um, a few years back called I Try to Talk to You. And the music video for that song was also like a gay, a gay modern dance uh, fantasy. Very dark very very cinematically visually interesting to me and i i watched those two videos back to back last night while i was researching for this episode i just wanted to talk about that yeah no that's interesting you know it's it's um i definitely see that i definitely see that anyway um ariana grande you know i i think that like it's unlikely that she was going to be fodder for this show because you know she doesn't really have flops she doesn't flop. She's still ascending. She's still, you know, blowing us away with her songs. But she did falter and she came back from it. Donut liquor to... You, you know what's a little bit of a flop? Oh, yeah. Tell me. This year I watched uh, on Netflix, I think, is her tour from her last tour. It's like okay. the, the concert. So I thought it was going to be more of like a documentary. Mm-hmm. You know, kind of like in the way that like we've kind of become accustomed to these these uh, pop documentaries like Shawn Mendes. It's like, yes, it's part concert, but like a lot of times it's like behind the scenes and they're giving you more about who they are. Yeah. There is a little bit of that in the Moonlight documentary. I think it's called Moonlight. There's a little bit of that, but not entirely. And well, I wonder also... Well, I was going to say the other thing too is I like listening to Ariana Grande's music. I put it on. I can just go with it. Watching her perform is a different thing. Okay. She's not, I mean, it's again with that kind of just coolly, de- cool detachment that she has with a lot of things. To me, that doesn't, tra- I mean, it's a style and I'm, you know, I'm not taking away if anybody else really enjoys seeing her in live, but like it's not like a tour de force in the way that like, like I love me a Tina Turner or like mm-hmm. Beyonce and like just it's a spectacle. Like there's a lot of imagery in an Ariana Grande concert, but like she doesn't have that same like kind of charisma. Like she doesn't connect with the audience in the same way. Yeah. I think Adam was saying like she doesn't like look at people when she sings. She's the quirky girl. She's the quirky girl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you but you but you you kind of after you've watched a few other things, like there's not really that connection with the audience, I think. It's not, you know, in mm-hmm. the same way. Um, I always wonder too, like, if she is just, if she's just more of like a small, smaller, like interior person. Mm-hmm. Like she talks about around the time that she was getting a reputation for being a diva in the press and that she had been looking out there licking donuts. Um, you know, and I wonder if this played a role in her performance in this documentary you watched. She talks about how... For a while, when she was getting this reputation, she became very, very scared to talk to people because she was really afraid of being misconstrued or being perceived of as being cold mm. or mm-hmm. a bitch um, because that was the growing perception of her. And it yeah. and it kind of um, it just it, it kind of snowballed and it reinforced itself where, you know, the the greater her perception was as the being more cold or distant, became. the more closed off she was in actuality because she was just afraid to come off cold and distant. So she just was being cold and distant. So I wonder how much of that is her because she does seem like someone who is either distant or is overwhelmed by, by a situation. Maybe. I don't know. She seems very, I mean, she seems very 
in control of it all mm-hmm. and fully present, like in the in the like in the behind the scenes stuff, like where she's getting ready or she's with her family, where she's with her friends. And I know that's different, but she seems very comfortable with sort of the level of fame and power that she has, even amongst like in the in the interpersonal dynamics with like whoever she's with. Mm-hmm. Um it's just to me, it's not even saying anything about that. It's just, it's just like her performance style just isn't as engaging to me. And that's yeah. fine. Like I, I don't, you know, that's fine. Um, but anyway, <laughs> they don't all have to be great live performers. They don't, they don't. Oh, um, oh, is it my ahead. turn? Oh, sorry. We did it. We did. Thanks, Jason. Well, thank you. And a very special thanks to my own dangerous woman, Adam Elder. <laughs> For composing our theme music. Songs and videos featured in today's... uh, Roll it back, roll it back. Along with that, songs and videos featured in today's episode will be posted to our website, flopredeemer.com. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to us on your podcast platform of choice. Check us out on social at flopredeemer on Instagram and Twitter and at facebook.com slash flopredeemer. And as always, email us at flopredeemer at gmail.com. Give us your thoughts, your suggestions, your feedback, your uh, whatever. Tell Everything. me what your favorite Miranda Cosgrove song is. God. I Carly. Oh, listen to her. She cannot sing. It's 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 wild how little she can sing for a person that had an album. Anyway. <laughs> Good day, sir. Good day to you. <laughs> <laughs>